Gaggle podcast, where we bring you inside the newsroom to talk Arizona politics beyond what's in print. I'm Michael Squires, the politics editor at the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. Joining me at our Arizona Capitol Bureau this week are... Dan Nowicki, national political reporter. Ron Hansen, I cover Congress. Yvonne Winget Sanchez, I cover the governor's office and state politics. Mary Jo Pitzel, investigative reporter. This week on The Gaggle, Senator John McCain had a health scare. We'll discuss what we know and don't know. And we'll talk about why Martha McSally's campaign is spending more than any member of the House. But we start with a group that wants to overturn an expansion of the state's school voucher program. They say they're closing in on qualifying for the ballot. Yvonne, bring us up to date. Save Our Schools Now says they are on track to collect about 75,000 signatures that, that would be needed to ask voters if they want to keep an expanded version of the school voucher program. Uh, the group has hired paid petitioners, uh, signature gathers in the final weeks before the signatures are due, which some are taking as a sign that um, maybe their all-volunteer plan uh, didn't work. Uh, so we'll see if they have the necessary signatures. I think a lot of people, when they said they were going to do it with just, you know, kind of this grassroots volunteer effort, were very skeptical that they could pull that off. Um, is, is this sort of acknowledgement of that fact? I think they would not agree with that. They would say uh, that they are doing their best to collect the 75,000 signatures with volunteers and that they, if they collect the necessary amount each day up to August 8th, that it will actually technically be an all-volunteer effort. But the signatures that will be gathered by the paid signatures is an insurance policy or an extra cushion, but they are bringing the chairs uh, to the game. So um, now, interestingly, this played out on social media not quite as I expected. There were um, several comments by people who did go out and collect signatures um, on a volunteer basis who seemed pretty upset that uh, they didn't get paid. Where's my check? So who's paying for this? That's a good question. They say it's all in-state money. I need to go peruse their filings with the Secretary of State's office. Um, it's funny because Senator Lesko actually posed that question on social media. Uh, her, clearly, she did not consult with her PR uh, team before she posed that question. Anyone could have told her that that would have unleashed a torrent of criticism towards her and her out-of-state supporters. Um, she she asked uh, who, who it was. They said it was small donors, individuals, some companies that are supporting of their efforts. Uh, Yvonne, why don't you give us a little background? Who's Debbie Lesko and, you know, what, what is her stake in this? Lesko introduced Senate Bill 1431, which expands the school voucher program uh, set to go in effect um, in August. And she uh, says that if um, they get the needed signatures, that all options are on the table, quote unquote. And I tried to press her as to what that means. And she, she doesn't really want to get into details yet, but one of the options clearly is going back to the legislature to repeal uh, Senate Bill 1431 and uh, to take the issue off the table in 2018. And Yvonne, you're absolutely right. This is a trick the legislature has done before, or rather a maneuver. There was a bunch of election reform legislation passed in 2013. Citizens went out. They got signatures on referenda petitions. They filed them. They got this thing on the ballot only to see the legislature come back in 2014 and repeal the law. So referendum was canceled. It's interesting to note that all those components of or many of the components of that election package have since been passed on a one-by-one -one basis. 
which might be a lesson for what could be the fate of the ESA bill if indeed um, it does get repealed. Even if the expanded school voucher uh, law is repealed, I don't think it puts the issue to rest. You are still going to have lawmakers like Lesko and John Allen of Phoenix and other school choice supporters who are going to come back year after year to try to expand this legislation. Um, And you're going to have uh, groups who are ideologically opposed, like Save Our Schools Arizona. Uh, I do think some version of the expanded program would come back. What that might look like remains to be seen. Get the latest Arizona political news by subscribing to azcentral.com. Get our free email newsletter delivered to your inbox by visiting newsletters.azcentral.com. Senator John McCain on Friday had a craniotomy at the Mayo Clinic Hospital in Phoenix. It was to remove a blood clot that his office described as, quote, above his eye. Dan Nowicki, uh, how is he doing and how serious was this? Well, he's doing well, according to all reports. He's resting at home in Arizona. He's going to miss at least a week of work at the Senate, possibly more. I'm told that he's going to listen to his doctor's advice. And if the doctors say he needs some more time to recover, he's going to listen to them. But uh, we don't really know how serious this procedure was. The uh, tissue pathology is still pending. And once that information is out, we'll be able to get a better sense of if there's, you know, a longer term health question here that he needs to worry about. So his office put a statement out on Saturday afternoon. This was a day after he'd had the procedure. We should say, I guess, McCain is 80 years old. He has a history of skin cancer, melanomas. He'll be 81 in August. I'm sure he's happy that you're mentioning that. And, uh, they, they described it as, quote, a minimally invasive craniotomy with an eyebrow incision. Now, we should, I guess, explain a craniotomy. You're going into the skull. So this is a blood clot inside his skull. We don't know if it was in the brain, on the brain. It could be on the surface. Sitting on the possibly. dura. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of options here. And kind of absent that information, there's been some speculation. Why have they been so vague? Well, I, I think his Senate office don't want to go out on the record and get something wrong. So they're referring to the doctor's statement. Why the the Mayo Clinic doctors are so vague is, you know, another question that I can't really answer. But uh, for whatever reason, they decided to put out, you know, a certain set of facts. And uh, we're still waiting on the pathology. And that's that's really the big thing that's still pending. Do do we expect that to be announced publicly? The indications I've gotten from uh, McCain's Senate office is that there'll be an, an update when that Uh, information is available. I find it interesting that this is all playing out as the Senate um, is taking up or attempting to take up the health care bill. McCain, as all lawmakers in Congress, has very good health insurance. And this is playing out against a backdrop of what kind of health insurance is out there for the rest of the masses. That is a juxtaposition that has not been lost on uh, Twitter, right? <laughs> As Dan's mentions can attest, right? Right, that's exactly right. And we don't know precisely uh, what kind of insurance Senator McCain has. When he was running for president in 2008, which was before the Affordable Care Act and the Grassley Amendment, 
Uh, he said he, he was eligible for the VA, and he used a combination of Senate health care and, I believe, uh, his wife's health care plan. You know, in addition to this kind of sort of political backdrop, there has been direct political fallout in that uh, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell comes out almost immediately following the announcement of this condition saying, oh, we're not going to be able to hold the vote. Right. It was almost so fast where you're like, gee, he was just looking for some kind of exit ramp. Well, for a while, it looked like McCain uh, was very pivotal to what happens with the health care bill. As it turned out on on Monday, the bill fell apart on its own. So McCain's absence or his presence really wouldn't have made a difference. The majority leader, McConnell, immediately kind of pivoted to a, a Obamacare repeal only with a two-year delay. Uh, McCain has said that he didn't like that idea in the past, uh, back before it was a real option. But it already looks like the wheels are falling off that car as well. Okay, well, you kind of got ahead of me a bit because the president on Monday said, I can tell you we hope John McCain gets better very soon because we miss him. He's a crusty voice in Washington. Plus, we need his vote. What is a crusty voice? I guess we can get to that. And he'll be back, and we'll be back sooner than than somebody else will be back. He'll be back soon. Um, So, like you said, it it turned out they didn't – his vote really was irrelevant. It was kind of a – a moot situation given that two that uh, Senators Lee and uh, Moran of Kansas both said they were not going to vote for it. So. And plus, you know, a lot of people are assuming he's a yes vote, and I'm not sure you can really make that leap given that he was vowing to uh, pursue amendments w- once it got to the floor, if it got to the floor, uh, based on Arizona's Medicaid situation. So we spent a lot of time last week chewing over sort of the health care, the, the politics of it, and, and, you know, where Senator Flake and McCain were on it. And uh, I guess I'm just going to ask Dan or Ron, uh, is this dead now? I would not say it's dead uh, permanently. Gosh, by normal political standards of the not-so-distant past, it seems like it ought to be dead. But we're in a different time these days, so... Uh, clearly, there are a lot of folks in Congress and in the White House who have a lot staked in taking out Obamacare. But uh, it just I guess the analogy that, that has always leaped to mind for me is that they're trying to pull a bedspread across a bed that just it, it's not going to cover it. And it's hard to see how that tug of war works itself out, that you can cover what the moderates in the Republican Party want and also give the conservatives what they want out of it. There's just not enough there. So as Monty Python would say, not quite dead. Not quite dead. And I think a lot of people here in Arizona uh, are breathing a sigh of relief, especially up there in that big old executive tower and on the ninth floor where um, Governor Doug Ducey, uh, you know, was pretty quiet, tried to work behind the scenes in conversations with uh, Flake and McCain. They clearly did not want to see this uh, happen, especially with him up for re-election. I mean, it saved Flake and McCain for having to cast a vote. So the political gods rained down on Arizona for once, huh? They, did, they didn't want it to happen, but they didn't want to save it. Exactly. There you go. Get the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com delivered to your door, phone, and inbox by visiting subscribe.azcentral.com. Ron, Martha McSally holds one of the most competitive house seats in the nation, and you reported this week that she raised a million dollars from April to June, but spent $660,000 of it. Uh, No other member of Congress or of the House of Representatives spent that much money 
Uh, why is she spending so much? Well, I guess she needs to do it is uh, the short answer. She has sinking poll numbers, and she's taking a lot of heat for her vote on the health care bill back in May. And she is trying to counter what has been a fairly energetic uh, uh, resistance in her district, as it were. The consultants' expenses have been considerable. The mailings and postage and and such have also been a staggering sum, really. It's $250,000 or thereabouts for the second quarter. That's more than six of our delegation members raised in the entire quarter. So she is pouring out money to try and stabilize her position as a number of Democrats are lining up to run against her in a district that's pretty evenly divided in terms of partisan registration and, and historical performance. So this money that she raises by mail, it, is a, it comes from all over the country, correct? She gets about half the money from in-state, and then she gets a fair amount of money from other places around the country. Plus, she takes in a lot of money from political action committees that represent the various special interests, especially on the military side. Um, She's active and and one of the most prolific fundraisers in the Congress at the moment. And that has been the case for some time. The burn rate of the money that she's spending at this point, though, seems like it's a little ahead of pace from what we've seen in in recent cycles. So she's got a lot of money. She's spending a lot of it. Who who is coming for her? What uh, what candidates are are we seeing on the horizon that are challenging her or going to? There are several people that are already in the race. Uh, That would include uh, folks like um, Matt Hines, who lost to her in the 2016 cycle, uh, former state legislator. Also, Bruce Wheeler, another former state legislator. He's in the race now. We also have Mary Metella. Uh, She's a former uh, Army executive. And there are others who have joined the race that have a lower profile. And there's at least one very uh, significant former Congresswoman Ann Kirkpatrick, who may or may not join that race as well. And basically, we've seen a lot of Democrats uh, filing into this race with more threatened. There are a lot of other names who have always been in the in the rumor mill for that particular seat. And the question is, to what end? Can they raise money? Can they really sort of overtake uh, McSally on, on the more parochial issues that seem to dominate in that district. That is taking care of Davis Monthan, uh, also looking after Raytheon and, and trying to spur economic development in Tucson more broadly. Those are all Democrats that you listed, Ron. Uh, does McSally have any prospect of a uh, intra-party challenge? Not that I'm aware of. And why not? I think she's sort of seen as the darling of the Republican Party at the moment, uh, in Washington anyway. They like her in leadership. They have given her a committee gavel uh, for one of the subcommittees in Washington. She is um, an an active participant in the negotiations for the House health care bill. She has been, I think, an important voice on a number of issues, both significant uh, in terms of things like medical malpractice and and what to do with any kind of reforms on that front, and also more symbolic, uh, more recently with the whether or not you can wear sleeves uh, as part of your Capitol Hill attire. I was just going to say that as as I'm sitting here wearing a sleeveless dress and open-toed shoes, I am glad to see that her party is not punishing her for not adhering to some non-existent dress code. Right. And, you know, and look, this is, it seems like kind of a silly or at least trivial kind of subject, but it does show that Martha McSally uh, can speak up and, and lend her voice to uh, issues as they come up. And she is not 
totally um, on board with whatever the convention or the establishment might have. Speaker Ryan has said that they will revisit the dress code very shortly after McSally and others sort of took a stand on that. If you go into her bio, though, too, when she was based in Saudi Arabia as, as a fighter pilot, she challenged the requirement that the women there wear a headscarf. And I mean, she I mean, like went to the wall over that. And I think it, it was ultimately resolved years later. But uh, yeah, definitely has that fighting streak. So this news is so fresh that the newsprint is still damp. Uh, Mary Jo Pitzel, apparently the Arizona Attorney General has decided that uh, he will not file charges against former Arizona House Speaker David Gowan. Bring us up to speed. What was that about? And, and why did he make that decision not to charge him? Gowan is the former House Speaker. He left office last year. This probe was actually requested by Gowan himself after there were media reports that he was effectively double dipping um, on his travel reimbursement costs, getting paid um, by the state for his mileage and then using a state-supplied vehicle for that same travel. The Attorney General took about a year and a half to take a look at this and concluded that While this might be ethically problematic, they could not find any evidence that he knowingly committed these violations. The report also attributed a lot of this to a lack of communication between Gowan and one of his administrative assistants, who is the person who filed his expense reports. And I find that curious because she sits or used to sit right outside of his office, but apparently they didn't talk much. So this has already spurred uh, some tightening of the restrictions on travel at, at the legislature. Can you just give us like a thumbnail on, on what they're looking at doing? Sure. In fact, it makes reading this report, uh, you begin to wonder if the new travel policy was actually advised on by the attorney general's office. So much of this tracks the new travel policy, and it's for the House only requires that uh, members must sign with what they call a wet signature, their personal signature, not an electronic signature for any expense report. And it clarifies when you can use a state-supplied vehicle and limits that usage. So for our final segment, uh, what are you watching for this week, Mary Jo? I'm going to be taking a look um, at um, what it's cost the state to put kids into state care. This is part of my duties in my new assignment, looking um, at the child welfare system. Yvonne? Dozens of Republican lawmakers are attending the ALEC conference in Denver, and I'd like to see who's picking up the tap. Ron? I'm curious to see if Ann Kirkpatrick does join this race uh, in CD2. Damn. Oh, I'm following the continuing trials and tribulations of Senator Jeff Flake. Lots of speculation and rumors about all sorts of folks wanting to jump into the race to challenge him. And that's it for today for our trials and tribulations. Thank you for listening to the Gaggle Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at MG Squires. And I'm Dan Nowicki, National Political Reporter at Dan Nowicki. Ron Hansen, you can follow me on Twitter at Ronald J. Hansen, H-A-N-S-E-N. Reach Mary Jo on Twitter at Mary J. Pitzel, P-I-T-Z-L. And you can follow me on Twitter at Yvonne Winget. Thanks to the politics team and also our producers, Kayla White, Hannah Gaber, and Manny Lozano. Please subscribe to the show and review it on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Google Play. See you next week.